Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of Reasonably Outrageous. I'm your co-host, Matt Wyrick, alongside, as always, Blake Pace. Blake, we're sitting here as the Yankees are down 2-0 in what I believe is the fifth inning against the Houston Astros, Game 3 mm-hmm. of the ALCS. How are you feeling about this team, man? I'm, I've, I'm, I texted you earlier. I'm at the, the most pessimistic point uh, that I've been with the Yankees so far this year. Um, well, I guess this postseason. Um, you know, unfortunately, had to had to take that game two against Verlander. weren't able to steal it in in the extra innings. Uh, that would have been great to come back to New York with a two two nothing lead. Um, and like you said, you know, also stealing a game from Verlander. Uh, but now, man, you know, it, it's tough. Garrett Cole, the, the, you know, he's just so amazing. He's so good, so good, um, so good. And uh, and tomorrow they want to go a bullpen day. And I've I've tweeted out and expressed to everybody my opinions on that just doesn't make sense to me and so um yeah I, I my confidence is definitely at an all-time low this postseason but uh if they're bats I mean it's only it's only two runs right now if they can you know jump this up a little bit and I don't know we don't have the volume on but there's a weird stoppage in the in the game right now um I don't know yeah what, I don't know what's going on I don't know what I've missed um so maybe we'll get some clarification on the screen because we're obviously you know not listening to the audio but uh we, something weird's happening in the game, but um, yeah, I don't have a ton of confidence. So I'll be honest with you. Yeah, you know. Meanwhile, on the other side, uh, Nats going into Game Four of the NLCS. Yeah. Of course, all of you listening will have already known the results of these games, but uh, I couldn't feel more confident about my team, uh, the Nationals, and, and what their future holds. Of course, they will be underdogs in the World Series, regardless of which team comes out of the American League. But you know what? The Nats have been underdogs all year, so I don't think that means they should be counted out. Yeah, I mean, good for good for you guys. I guess I <laughs> uh, I don't know we I've I, I don't like DC sports fans I find you guys annoying you aside though because you're an educated DC <laughs> sports fan at least when it comes to you know the Nats and the Wizards um, I think it it mostly started um, with with the Redskins fans and then it grew to the Redskins fans that also root for the Nats and the Caps and and so like I, all of that has just kind of turned into me not being a fan of DC sports fans but. Uh, Good for you well, guys. You want, want to know something uh, that has made me mad about DC sports fans is uh, on Sunday, what was that? NLCS game three? No, no, no. So, so on Sunday, the Redskins played the Dolphins uh, in that uh, wild game, uh, and ultimately ending up with the Wizard or sorry, the Redskins winning that game. That game had a higher TV rating in D.C. than any of the Nats playoff games thus far. Oh, wow. Uh, which, that really hits home, man. Uh, my, you know, I think that D.C. is rallying around the Nats for sure. I mean, Nats Park last night, uh, Monday night uh, for Game 3 was absolutely insane. Just watching on TV and hearing the accounts of people in the stadium, 43,000-plus uh, packed to the brim. You know, that was hype, but... Clearly, this is a football town, even though the fact that the Redskins have been terrible for years and years and there's no end in sight, people are still tuning in to watch it. 
more than they are to watch the Nationals in the playoffs. And I think that's more of a reflection of the state of baseball versus football than it is, you know, D.C.'s love of, of the Nats. But still, it kind of just seeing those numbers, you know, it kind of hurt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's interesting. Um, I mean, I feel like, you know, making it to the World Series might give that little boost there. So maybe they're a step away from getting the viewership up. But, uh, yeah, that's interesting. And I think I do finally have um, an update on on what's going on with this Yankees game There's right now. Which is, yeah, uh, the home plate ump a couple innings ago took a foul tip to the mask. And uh, now they're switching the home plate ump. Um, yes, Jeff Nelson. So, uh, weird Weird delay, not sure how long that takes, but um, interesting. I, I guess he got Severino roughed around. Severino coming back out, though. Yeah, Severino coming back. Um, you guys yeah, all know just... what's going on if you're listening, which I think is just as funny is that we're we're watching live while <laughs> you guys are listening, you know, the next day even. Um, but, yeah, interesting. And I, and I don't know if all of our listeners know this, but Blake and I are not together for these shows. I mean, oh, yeah. And yeah. I'm, I'm in Charlottesville, so, you know, we, we're just watching our respective streams having to uh, – uh, react, Blake. Do you have cable or I do? I do. Streamer? Okay, I, I'm all streams, so you're a little bit ahead of me. So I was telling him before the show, everybody, he needs to wait a few yeah, seconds before to... he reacts to things, so I don't get spoiled. Right. I'm just gonna let you react and then let whatever I'm holding in my stomach just like come out whenever you do. So um, yeah. So I'll just all right. Let so we'll have then. we'll have periodic uh, reactions yeah. throughout the show, but. <laughs> We've got a, a couple of topics lined up for you all today. We're going to talk some football, talk some basketball, Western Conference preview. Uh, but we're going to look back at uh, this last week of football that we had that was, uh, uh, you know, I mean, I'd say a little bit of a return to normal after the previous two weeks, at least betting-wise. We're absolutely insane uh, with so many uh, games that we weren't expecting. Of course, you know, the Jets pulled off an insane upset over the Cowboys, uh, which we'll get to in a little while. But overall, I'd say that there were a lot of chalk uh, games that that went the way we would have expected. Uh, although you know maybe the Texans Chiefs another game that uh, you know certainly surprised some people. Another team that we'll get to, but we're going to start off uh, by talking about the Steelers, the Pittsburgh Steelers, who walked away with the home but technically on the road win yeah. <laughs> uh, against the Chargers uh, of Los Angeles. That that stadium was packed with Steelers fans uh, in L.A. and of course. We had the Steelers win 24 to 17 to move to two and four on the year. Now, we're, what we're going to do here is give five statements uh, about general teams or players or whatever uh, that might be a little bit bold, and we're going to judge whether or not they're real, realistic or an overreaction. Uh, so, Blake, I'm going to pose this first one to you. The Steelers are serious threats to win the AFC North again. Realistic or overreaction? Uh, I'm going to go over reaction. Um, listen, I think that the Ravens, um, despite being off to their hot start, still have their issues on defense. And I mean, talk about stuff that's, that's happening as we're doing the show. Um, you know, uh, Marcus Peters being traded from the Rams to the Ravens now to hopefully help out that secondary. Of course they gave away, um, a, a young linebacker that they like, but, uh, you know, interesting to see what they do in the middle of there. So I, I do believe the the Ravens are still the favorites in that division. Um, if you take a look at the Steelers, I mean, they kind of just got lucky uh, with some of those points. You know, some key turnovers by the Chargers early on. I also think that the Chargers, and, and like I was telling you, they're the fake good team this year. You know, after their impressive season last year, um, I, I felt pretty confident leaving them out of my playoffs. So I don't think this win was as much of the... Um, was as much of... Uh, 
you know, the, the Steelers winning the game, but more so just the Chargers being, you know, an inconsistent bad team this year. And so, you know, the Steelers, you know, the, the quack is back. Uh, Duck, uh, Duck Hodges, uh, good for him. You know, a third string guy coming in there and getting his first win uh, as a starting quarterback. Um, I, I don't think it's that sustainable for him. I, I would expect them to, at the very best finish second in the division but I even think Cleveland if they can eventually hit some consistency have a chance to uh, bump Pittsburgh to third in that division you know uh, I honestly think that it's not an overreaction that this is a realistic statement and it's you know Mason Rudolph is expected to be back next week that's at least a hope for the Steelers they might have to roll with Hodges for an additional game but it doesn't seem like that injury is as uh, bad as we originally thought, you know, with him going limp and just basically getting knocked out Ooh. on the field and what was a really scary moment. I mean, that that was one of the most insane things I've ever seen. We didn't talk about that on last week's show, but holy crap, dude. I mean, yeah. I've never seen something like that before where a guy just goes lights out. So, you know, this is obviously not as, as big of an injury as we thought it was going to be. And, and moving forward, though, you know, the Steelers are right in the middle of the division as of right now. They're only uh, two games back of the Ravens for the, the top spot in the division. They're tied with the Browns at two and four. The Browns, who, who mind you, have a minus thirty-four point differential, while the Steelers sit at minus eight. And mm-hmm. you know, obviously, we, we've written them off with how they performed this year, and they got off to a terrible start with the Patriots beating them thirty-three to three. But just look at these point differentials since that first game. They lost to the Seahawks by two. They lost to the Forty ers by four. They beat Cincinnati by 24. They lost to Baltimore by three in overtime and then beat the Chargers. So all of their losses, one by 30, and then two points, four points, and three points. So very close games uh, against some very competitive teams in the Seahawks, 49ers, and Ravens. Uh, you know, and, and moving forward, they do have Miami next, or they have a bye next week before going against Miami. Then they have a two game stretch against the Colts and the Rams. Certainly some tough games there. But after that, you go Browns, Bengals, Browns, Cardinals, Bills, Jets, and then Ravens to close out the year. You know, I think that the Seahawks are perfect, or sorry, the, the Steelers are perfectly capable of going like six and two uh, over, you know, to close out the year, uh, which would be huge uh, for that team. And I think in this crowded NFC picture, I don't know if that would necessarily get them a wild card spot, but I don't necessarily believe in the Ravens. The Ravens just haven't been off to an insane start. They obviously have mm-hmm. that really close game with the the Steelers that show that they may not be as separated from them as we thought they were. But, you know, their wins so far this season have come against the Dolphins, the Cardinals, the Steelers, and the Bengals. Three of, like, the worst teams in the league plus the Steelers. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, there, there's nothing to show. And the, they lost by 15 to the Browns, and the Browns look terrible uh, against any kind of competitive team. So, honestly, we might be seeing a Ravens team that's been really pumped up in the stats categories by some of these bad teams that they've played. Uh, and we could easily see them start to fall off a cliff as the season goes on. Now, they did just trade for Marcus Peters and what's been the biggest news of the day uh, from the Rams, and that's certainly going to help their secondary, an area that's really been a problem for them. But I don't know if Marcus Peters is the difference between the division right now. So, you know, honestly, uh, the Steelers still have one more game against the Ravens. I could definitely see them being in contention for a spot. And honestly, the AFC North just might be the weakest division in the AFC. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, every team in there is inconsistent. I'm not I'm not going to write the Steelers off and say that they can't do it. Um, I just think given the two-game lead, um, I, you know, it, the Ravens already have a game up on Pittsburgh. Yeah, it was a, a field goal difference in overtime. Um, 
I just think given the inconsistency from, from Pittsburgh, they did lose some close games. Um, you know, soundly took care of Cincinnati, like you said, and, and the Ravens really have been one of those teams that haven't had that tough of a schedule. I just still think that when you take a look at the roster up and down, um, you know, first off, Pittsburgh's defense, extremely talented. Um, I, I don't like their defensive coordinator. Uh, he is he is known for just some of the worst uh, positional matchups in the game. He puts you know linebackers on guys like Keenan Allen and stuff like that. So, not a, I'm a fan of the talent, not a fan of the system. Um, they're well coached by Mike uh, Mike Tomlin. Uh, their offense, you know, Juju, James Conner, Vance McDonald. Uh, if they can get things rolling, they have a good offensive line. I just think with already the edge that Baltimore has, and I do believe Baltimore will start to pick things up offensively. Um, it was a down few weeks for them with some close outcomes, and I still don't think their defense is great. But, you know, I, listen, I, I'm not going to write them off, like I, like I said, and I think it, there is a good chance for them to, um, you know, I, I just would right now give favor to the, uh, to the Ravens. Sure, we'll see. We'll see. All right, moving forward, though, our next bold statement. After moving to 5-0 and on the season, the 49ers are the best team in the NFC. No. No, I'm not going to go there. I'm going to say they're the second best team in the NFC. Uh, I My favorite team in the NFC right now is the Green Bay Packers. And um, I just think that uh, talent-wise, I think they're better defensively. Um, you know, the Smith brothers on the edge have been extremely great, um, uh, you know, putting pressure on quarterbacks. Um you know, the 49ers played extremely well against the Rams, but also didn't look great on offense itself. Uh, and the Rams, you know, like you said, the Rams haven't been uh, amazing on defense. I think we talked about that last week or two weeks ago. Talked about the Rams weren't that great defensively. Uh, the 49ers offense really struggled to get things going. Um, and only, you know, I think, uh, God, even their rush offense had a much worse week than up against Cleveland. Um, I, I would say they're the second best team in the NFC. Um, I also just put more faith in, at the end of the day, do I trust Aaron Rodgers more, Jimmy Garoppolo? Uh, Jimmy has looked good. Um, he hasn't been great, you know, the entire season. And uh, I'm just going to go with the consistency factor of I believe that um, that Green Bay, I just have more trust in their quarterback. Um, and, uh, and, and yeah, that's where I'm at right now. But it's close. I'm not going to say that it's, um, that you know, it's, it's uh, you know, I'd grade the Packers a 10 and the 49ers a 6. I'd say they're, you know, they're right up there as the top two teams, but right now, just because of quarterback, um, kind of pushes it over for me to, to go with Green Bay. I'm going to be completely honest with you, Blake. It's San Francisco 49ers are the fourth best team in the NFC in my eyes right now. Uh, I, right now, I would put them, I agree, the Green Bay Packers are number one, um, but I also slot the Saints and the Seahawks up there uh, above the 49ers for the simple fact that, uh, according to Pro Football Reference's simple rating system, the San Francisco 49ers have had the easiest schedule in the NFL leading up to this point. And not only that, have they had their bye already. So now they're going into a second half where they're really going to be running into some uh, tougher teams. They obviously have to face Seattle twice. Uh, they get Baltimore. They're going to have New Orleans on the road. Uh, they do have to face Green Bay this year. They have to face a Carolina Panthers team uh, that has been very good. The Rams are still left uh, on the schedule. You know, I, I just don't feel like we've been able to evaluate this team simply because of the teams that they've played. Uh, you know, they, they beat on the Buccaneers. They beat on the, the Bengals. They get a close win over the, the Steelers. In fact, the Steelers, just one more point on, on them. They're the only team in the league so far that scored 20 points uh, on the 49ers this year. So that's that's something to be reckoned with. They get the bye. They go in and they smack uh, Cleveland. And, of course, they, they get that signature win over the Rams. 
But uh, like we've said, the Rams have been susceptible this year. They already have three losses on the year. Maybe not necessarily a team that we're talking about among the the elite in the NFC. So until we see them take down, uh, I think, one of those three teams in the Seahawks, the Saints, uh, or the Packers, I'm not going to write them as, as being the best team in the NFC because they still have something to prove. They're, they're a team that has had a rough past couple of years, of course. Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't the quarterback last year; had to you know deal with they had to deal with that injury. Um, but at the same time, you know, it, it's a kind of a league where you, you know your past performance is indicative of where you stand. Uh, and the, the 49ers just haven't proven anything yet. Yeah, listen, you know, I'm not going to disagree with you on the Saints. I think that one is very close between there. I am going to disagree with you on the Seahawks because we talk about a 49ers lucky schedule, but the um, the Seahawks, if Greg Zerline uh, makes that end-of-the-game field goal, that's a loss that they take. Uh, they barely beat the Bengals to start off the season. Pittsburgh, they only lost by a few points, and they had to come back from a 20-6 to deficit against the Cleveland Browns. So, you know, that though, I think heading into week five, so before this past uh, week when they took on the Browns, they were a difference of seven total points between being a 4-1 and one team and a 1-4 and four team. So um, I can see you with the Saints. I think Saints and 49ers are right around the same. And if, uh, if you're giving me Drew Brees with the Saints, I- I'm probably pushing two, them. Um, but, two weeks, baby. Two uh, yeah, weeks. Yeah, we're getting there. And so... Um, so I would I would say that uh, a, a Drew Brees led Saints team I'd give the edge over the 49ers right now but I just think that the Seahawks are by far the luckiest team in the league so far and uh, I probably wouldn't say that I'd, I'd put them over the 49ers just yet. I think the only real reason the two things one is is they were in the playoffs last year so you'd think that you know give them the benefit of the doubt of, of getting back there and two Russell Wilson I mean uh, you know Jimmy oh, yeah. Garoppolo just like the 49ers still has a lot to prove in his NFL career I mean you know he went on that six to no streak uh, to close out the season two years ago uh, after you know being acquired by the 49ers as their starting quarterback but you know he has a rough start to last year uh, and then this year you know has been good not great I mean he's certainly had some some stellar games. Uh, don't get me wrong, but, you know, he's been a little bit inconsistent, so they're going to need him to be, uh, you know, the quarterback that they really signed him to be after they gave him that massive extension. Uh, and I don't think he's necessarily played at that level yet on a consistent basis like Russell Wilson has uh, that gives me that confidence. So that's my only thing there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but moving on, though, uh, we're going over to Dallas, uh, as we mentioned before. And, and, Blake, realistic or overreaction, the Cowboys should either franchise tag Dak Prescott or let him walk this offseason. Uh, big, big overreaction. I think of the five, this is the biggest overreaction to me. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys have two problems um, that are not Dak Prescott, and that is Jason Garrett, and that is the slump from Ezekiel Elliott this year. Um, first off, Jason Garrett, uh, I think that the Dallas Cowboys absolutely need to move on from the clapper uh, after this season. Um, I, I can't believe he stuck it through this long. He's continually, he's been kind of like a guy like Andy Reid, where his clock management is is some of the worst in the league. Um, they would have had another chance to get the ball back and win that game against the Jets if they didn't um, call one of the dumbest timeouts on a first down instead of spiking the ball uh, when they were at that first and goal heading into that last scoring drive for them. Um, so so to me, the, the biggest problem is Jason Garrett. Um, and, and, you know, comparing him between uh, Andy Reid, Andy Reid has one of the more beautiful offenses in football. Uh, Jason Garrett does not. Um, and, you know, his offenses run through Kellen Moore instead. Um, the second problem is Zeke. He doesn't have the burst uh, that, that we saw in even last season for a bit. Um, the season before that, his his top end speed just isn't there this year. And um, defenses really shouldn't be looking to Zeke as the main threat for that Dallas offense this point in the season. I just haven't seen it. And so... I think that Dak has had a really good year. Um, 
I think, unfortunately, he's been handicapped by A, Zeke coming into the process late. If that is the reason why he has been off to this slow start, I have been unimpressed with Zeke, and I've definitely been unimpressed um, with with Jason Garrett. And so I would focus on getting rid of Jason Garrett rather than Dak Prescott. Um, I, I think that he's, he's, he's a guy that I would stick with beyond this year. You know, uh, I've gone back and forth about this, but you know what's something that I found really interesting is people are already talking about how the Jared Goff contract is hurting the Rams. Yep. And how when it kicks in, it's going to be huge. It's going to be bad. And and to me, you know, I don't think Dak Prescott's as good as Jared Goff, and he's looking for a ballpark range uh, of the same money. Yes, I mean, look. Uh, uh, I disagree. I like Jared Goff. I think that you know he makes some some weird reads uh, at certain points, and he needs to have the offense. You know he needs to be able to work off that running game for sure. But look, look, Dallas is two and four all time when Dak attempts forty plus passes, and he's done that each of the past two two games. Uh, and, and that's obviously not a recipe for success, and that falls on Jason Garrett in the running game for not getting it done. Um, but, you, you know, to me, I just don't think that Dak is going to be worth the money that he's looking for at this end of the season. Is he a great quarterback? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But I honestly, I think that the, the the key to success in the NFL, especially with this team, Dallas, right now, where they are handing out extensions left and right, I just don't think that you're going to be able to fit Dak in there where to the point where you're going to be able to add some mid-tier guys that you need in order to build a championship-winning team. Right. So to me, first thing, that stat, you know, their, what, what their record was when he can passes over 40 times. Um, if you're a quarterback, you don't need to throw for over 40 times when your defense can, can hold up um, the opponent's offense. So that's a stat where it's like, if he's throwing that much, it's because he has to, because his defense isn't doing the job. Um, you know, another thing like that is like, people will say, oh, well, you know, the Cowboys have such a great record when Zeke is running the ball 30 plus times. Well, he's only running the ball that much because they got out to an early lead and the other team couldn't keep pace. So then they just chew out. Absolutely. You know, that's very true. But at the same time, like a guy like Russell Wilson, I don't know the exact stat, but I guarantee you that his numbers with 40 plus passes are are much closer to 500 because he can pick up a a bad defense. I just haven't seen Dak being able to pick up the defense like that. And that's important Mm -hmm. for a guy that you're going to give this kind of money. Yeah, I, I guess, uh, I guess, you know, I don't think it's fair to compare Russell Wilson to him. Now, um, now you might have to pay him around the same rate. You won't have to pay him as much as Russell Wilson. So I take that, that That's back, what I'm saying. You're paying, you're no, paying him you're, a Russell Wilson type contract. You're, so you're going to give him less than You need that. to, to – no, no, sure. I'm, I'm just saying ballpark. I mean, you're, you're paying him to be a premier starting quarterback. I mean, $35-plus million a year. You need mm-hmm. to have a quarterback. If you're going to pay him that much, you need to have a quarterback who's going to be able to pick up your defense. And I just don't think that Dak has necessarily proven the ability to do that. That's that's yeah. just me. When, also, when things are clicking around him, he is fantastic, and I have nothing against him. I just don't know if he necessarily is a player who is going to elevate a mediocre team into being an elite team. And I think Russell Wilson mm-hmm. is able to do that, and that's why he's paid that kind of money. Right. Well, the, the other last thing to go back to the other point before is um, with Jared Goff, I think you put Dak Prescott and you give him Brandon Cooks, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, Todd Gurley, Sean Look, McVay. I didn't think, but I didn't think Jared Goff was worth the money either. To, to, right. you know, we, we talked about that on yeah. the show. I, I, yeah. did, I think he's better than Dak, but I don't. I don't think either of them were worth this kind of. Money. Oh, okay. I, I thought you said that you thought Jared Goff was better. No, no. I'm, well, I thought he was better in terms of just I would rather have him as my quarterback, but I still would, would. I don't think he's in that. I would rather have Jared Goff than Dak Prescott oh, as my starting quarterback. Yeah. We're just we're just going to disagree one hundred percent. But I don't think I don't think that his contract was worth it. I was saying that from the beginning. As soon as I saw him right. sign it, I knew it was going to be a mistake. Well, the, the the problem with the Rams is that they didn't need to extend him. You know, just let him play out the season, see how it goes. If he does as bad as he's been this year, and he has been so. So bad. He's been way worse than Dak this season alone, and he's got way more weapons and a better offense with him. So um, 
I, I would personally take Dak Prescott over over Jared Goff. Um, you know, this season in the long run, but uh, I guess we'll have to wait and see. But yeah, the the Rams. I think we'll both agree the Rams have severely paid for Jared Goff, um, severely overpaid. But um, I don't know. I, I'm sticking with Dak. I think there are other problems around him that he can't control right now. And uh, no, I don't think he's Russell Wilson. But you're in a day where you do have to pay your quarterback. Um, uh, you know big money it's a it's a big market for quarterbacks now and they're you know severely overpaid throughout the entire league but um I, I think with Dak and also having to extend him um a year earlier because he wasn't that first round pick and you don't have the fifth year option is just something that they're gonna have to bite the bullet on we'll see what happens staying with the quarterback conversation though we're going over to Carolina or Blake realistic or overreaction the Panthers should trade Cam Newton once he's healthy uh this is one like I like you were saying with this last one that I kind of struggled with. I'm gonna say no. Um, I, I think it, I think it's a, a bit of an overreaction. I get that that Kyle Allen has looked great and um, and you know you know five and zero now is the Carolina Panthers starting quarterback hasn't lost a game yet um, and you know still able to put up a lot of points in a game where Christian McCaffrey this past week averaged one point four yards per carry. Um, now if the if the return is significant enough where you've got teams that are interested in Cam Newton and the report is there's around 10 teams, but I don't know at what price, if you can get great value for Cam Newton, I'd go ahead and do it just because I think uh, to be able to get good draft capital or young assets for a quarterback that is going to approach the second half and the, the, the latter half of his career, then do it. But um, this is a good Panthers team. Of course, Cam, we just haven't seen 100% healthy since the, the middle of last season. Um, I'm fine keeping both of them on the roster. I don't think that just because you don't trade Cam Newton means that you have to start him. I think there's a situation where you can keep him there, and if Kyle Allen ever starts to fall off, you can throw Cam back in there, kind of what we, you know, you think of a situation in Jacksonville like with Gardner Minshew and Nick Foles. If the train stops rolling, keep both of them. Just throw the other guy back in there if you have to. So I don't know. I, I would say hold on to him, but if there's significant value out there for a quarterback that is, you know, at his age, and of course a guy that is, you know, former MVP of the league, then I'd go ahead and do it. Um, but you know, right now sitting where Kyle Allen has, you know, played five games, won all of them, um, not huge wins over, you know, the best teams in the league. I think they've got the 49ers coming up in two weeks. Um, so that'll be a really good test for him. Then maybe after that you can decide, but I, I'd, I'd hold on to Cam for now. Yeah, I don't think that the market's going to shape out the way you really want it to. I no. mean, there are two two teams to me that stand out as, as viable trade targets. Uh, the Bears, uh, who've obviously had their, their issues at the quarterback position this year, and the Titans, uh, with Marcus Mariota virtually disappearing uh, this year. But the Bears... You know, they obviously have very limited draft capital after the the Raiders, the Khalil Mack trade uh, with the Raiders. And, you know, they don't have their upcoming first round pick. So that's going to be an, an important, you know, for uh, the Panthers to get back if they do make this kind of trade. And then the Titans, you know, they're two and four. So if you want to make that trade right now, it might be a little bit questionable considering the draft capital you'd have to give up. Uh, you'd hope that your team is in a little bit better of a situation, but that defense is the real deal. Uh, you know, still one of the few teams that hasn't allowed 100 points so far this year. Uh, so, you know, maybe you think that, okay, if we fit Cam Newton into this offense, uh, you know, I'd love to see him and Mike Vrabel on the same team. I think that would be hilarious. Um, but, uh, you know, that's that's definitely a long shot for sure. I would mm -hmm. say, no, it's an overreaction. Don't trade him this year. Now, if we get to the offseason and Kyle Allen, I would say roll with Kyle Allen at starter for sure. 
let him you know play out the rest of the year unless he starts to really start struggling right uh, and then you go back to cam but you have give yourself that flexibility uh one with the veteran presence of cam newton behind kyle allen uh which the report is that the two of them do get along uh you let kyle allen play and if you know that you make the playoffs then you ride with him all the way through uh, if you don't and you have to switch, then you at least have a guy like Cam Newton to go to. And then at the end of the year, after the season, you then try and find out, you know, what the best trade market could be. I think you have a lot more teams that are interested, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like it's a team like the Buccaneers. I mean, obviously it's the same division, uh, but they have the Jameis Winston, uh, you know, situation to deal with. So I think that might be something that could intrigue them. It all depends on the draft capital you get. Cam Newton's only signed. Through next season, he has a $21.1 million cap hit uh, mm-hmm. next year, but after that is a free agent. So I think, you know, there, there's going to be more teams involved in those discussions. You could get a better trade package, even though it be, would, would be for less time. I just think right now, you know, where we're seeing Cam Newton, he's such an unknown commodity. And a lot of people think he's washed up and, you know, the, the injuries are obviously a concern. So you want to see him stay healthy for a while before you do trade him so you can maximize on that value. Yeah, I agree. I would wait till after the season, too. And I'll throw out one more team that... uh our guy Lefko uh, went on a little rant about earlier today. That would be interesting. How about the Denver Broncos? Um, you know, the yeah. team, the team, Denver has to love Cam Newton after he gave them the Super Bowl by not jumping on that fumble. Um, you know, his, <laughs> his best friend in the league is Von Miller uh, and Von's still a Denver Bronco as we speak. Um, so, you know, getting those two guys on the same team. Uh, I think in when Lefko's talks, it was, uh, you know, John Elway's obsession with, Tall, athletic quarterbacks. Cam Newton perfectly fits the mold there. Um, they're a team that has young offensive weapons like Cortland Sutton, Philip Lindsay, and Royce Freeman have been a good running back duo. Uh, the Vic Fangio defense uh, has started to pick up the last few weeks, um, albeit against you know some non-threatening uh, opponents. But uh, that's another team out there that I feel like could be an interesting move this offseason because we all know Joe Flacco is not the uh, the move. I, I do like Drew Locke, but you know maybe we'll see him and, and he'll uh, convince them not to take another quarterback but uh that's another team out there i would just throw out yeah yeah i, I like that a lot um and we'll see now the last one blake i know you're going to come at me with some fire uh for this last uh bold statement here but realistic or overreaction the texans are serious contenders for a first round buy um you know I, i'm gonna it's serious if they can win the afc south um you know, they, they Which already, you you came into this year no uh, I still a very don't. very big stance that they were a very fake contender. Here's here's my take on the Texans, and I was actually just writing about this earlier today. Um, I didn't expect Deshaun Watson to be uh, kind of what we saw in the early years of of Andrew Luck's career, where you can take a uh, a non talented team with poor coaching and and take them into the postseason himself. Um, Deshaun Watson is up there. Um, in comparison with some of the best quarterbacks in the league right now, the way he's playing. I would put him uh, not as high as Pat Mahomes, Rodgers, or Wilson, but I, I would feel pretty comfortable putting him at number four or five at the very worst. Um, the level that he is playing at right now is insane. Of course, you've got DeAndre Hopkins. If they can win the AFC South, sure. Um, you know, I, I, think, I think my opinion on the Texans as a team that is dysfunctional still exists. I, I don't like the fact that they're running around without a GM and that Bill O'Brien tried to form this team overnight by making trades two days before the season started. Um, and, and listen, you know that could fall off, and I could feel a lot more comfortable with that take later on as the season goes on. But for now, Deshaun Watson is playing at a level where it's it's like Russell Wilson with the bad teams around him. It's Andrew Luck with the bad teams around him. It doesn't matter. He's playing that good where he can t- take them into the postseason. Um, 
at the end of the day, I still think the top two seeds in the AFC end up being New England and Kansas City. I have to think Kansas City makes a trade out there to help out their defensive front seven or the offensive line, um, and they kind of pick things back up after two losses. But uh, big week coming up for Houston. Uh, they could really take a, a game-up advantage on the Colts. They both play in Indy this week, um, and the, the winner will sit atop the AFC South. So interesting to see uh, that outcome. Uh, but if they can win the AFC South, uh, you know whether that's Indy or Houston, um, I think either will have a, a really good spot at, at being one of the top two seeds. Yeah, you know, uh, for me, uh, they obviously now have a tie-breaking advantage uh, with the Chiefs, but I, I think it's an overreaction. Uh, I just think that the AFC South is actually, surprisingly, one of the deepest divisions uh, in the NFL right now, and I, I do believe that the Colts and the Jaguars are serious threats uh, to have 10-win seasons, uh, if not more. And I, I don't know. I mean, like you said, Deshaun Watson has been an absolute world beater, uh, and they've actually gotten some very surprising production out of Carlos Hyde. Uh, you know, but DeAndre Hopkins has absolutely disappeared in that offense, uh, and he hasn't been much of a dis- difference maker, which has been uh, really surprising. Uh, you know, to say the least, obviously, uh, we had Will Fuller explode for one game, but he hasn't necessarily been, you know, a steady name, neither has uh, Kenny Stills. So I, I would say that, you know, it, it does really lie on Deshaun Watson. And I don't know if, you know, he's going to will this team all the way to a division title to the point where, mm-hmm. you know, I, I still think we could see the Chiefs winning 12 plus games. So if the, the Chiefs finish 12 and four, uh, you know, I think that there is going to be a team in the AFC South that finishes with 12 wins. I just don't know if that's going to be the Texans. Right, yeah. You know, they still have to play a majority of those divisional games, of course. Two still against the Colts. They have played the uh, the Jaguars already, and I don't believe they've played the Titans yet. So two more games against the nope. Titans. 15 um, and 17, they play the Titans. So three, two oh, yeah. out of the last three weeks, they have to play them, which is I hate when they do that. Yeah, that's tough to have to play some of your, you know, because divisional games are always so tough. I like the idea of having one of them in the early half of the season, one in the second half, but piling yeah, up at the end should. is kind of unfortunate. And I think that, no, that's not the same way uh, with Seattle and San Francisco. I was thinking it was, but they do end their season against each other. Um, but but the yeah. Saints had that with the Panthers last year. Right. Um, which uh, they faced Cam Newton in one and then game and Kyle Allen in the other. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I remember that one. Um, but yeah, I would say, I would say, I think realistically just because i think they'll beat up on each other a few more times i think the winner of the afc south probably is around that 10 and 6 range um now of course if one of them can just dominate through the entire division then they can certainly get up in that 12 and 4 range but i think i we both feel pretty confident that the winner of the afc south will probably be uh probably be the three seed in that division in that conference yeah uh, yeah i would agree with you um with the the other division of course being uh, the AFC North, because uh, we just really aren't sure what's going to happen right. there. Um, but, uh, you know, I do think that this is, like, with the AFC North, they're going to have lower records because the teams just aren't very good and they're going to lose lots of non- non-divisional games. Mm-hmm. But with the AFC South, I think they're just going to be beating up on each other all year, so that's going to, you know, suppress their win totals a little bit. Exactly. Uh, so it, it's almost like they're probably going to have similar records, but they're com- going to be completely different conferences. Mm-hmm. 100% divi- agree. Divisions. Yeah, yeah. All right, so that's going to put a wrap on our NFL talk for this week. Uh, I'd say just a a quick run through. Steelers, threats to win the AFC North again. I say yes, you say no. Uh, We went uh, 49ers are the best team in the NFC. Both of us said no. Cowboys should either franchise tag Dak or let him walk. You said yes, I said no. Or no, I said no. You said no, I said yes. 
the Panthers should trade Cam Newton once he's healthy. Both said no. The Texans are serious contenders for a first-round buy. You gave a tentative yes, and, and I went with a no. Yep. All right, so that's that's football. Uh, we'll be back uh, to talking about football again on Friday uh, when we run through our, our picks uh, against the spread uh, in our betting segment for this weekend. But until then, uh, we've got a lot going on, and we're going to start now uh, by switching over to the Western Conference of the NBA. We gave our Eastern Conference preview on Friday last week. If you haven't listened to that, you can go back and check it out. Uh, had a lot of fun with that, and we actually had the same exact eight teams uh, in making the playoffs in the Eastern Conference. And oddly enough, despite the fact that this was a little bit harder yeah. to narrow down, we actually had the same eight teams once again uh, <laughs> making the playoffs over in the West. So we're going to start right now uh, by talking about a couple teams that we didn't pick to make the playoffs. And I'll just go ahead and run through those names uh, in no particular order. The Spurs, the Pelicans, the Kings, the Suns, the Grizzlies, the Timberwolves, and the Thunder. Blake and I talked before the show, and we both kind of agreed that the two toughest submissions were the Spurs and the Pelicans. The Spurs, of course, who have made the playoffs in 22 straight years, 29 out of the last 30, uh, while the Pelicans got Zion Williamson, who, who figures to be an immediate impact for that team. Uh, obviously, they have a bright future ahead with all the draft picks that they got from the Lakers and the Anthony Davis deal, but neither of us seem to think that they're going to be making the playoffs right now. Blake, uh, what are what are your thoughts on those tough emissions there, and, and how hard was it really to, to not include the Spurs or the Pelicans? Um, you know, this year it wasn't as hard to not include the Spurs. I actually didn't even realize I didn't have them on there uh, until you mentioned <laughs> them. Um, they were one of those teams that I just and and we we talked a little bit about the show. We don't we don't know uh, where our eight seeds lined up, but we talked about the teams that didn't make it. Um, and my point with the with the Spurs is 2019, a team with Lamarcus Aldridge, Demar Derozan, and Rudy Gay as your top three just doesn't really interest me anymore in today's NBA with uh, you know all the shooting uh, and the speed up and down the the floor. Um, so they weren't that hard to leave out. I I really wanted to put uh, I really wanted to put the Pelicans in there though, man. Um, I know. I, man, I, really I really did. Just because of Zion. Just because of Zion, I did. I know, but, yeah. But you know, I, um, unfortunately, that also ruins um, the streak of J.J. Redick. He's never missed the postseason in his NBA career. And uh, and what he said to uh, he said to Zion, he say? he said to Zion before the season, he goes, don't fuck it up, kid. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, he's he's bad uh, some luck and you know, he's not necessarily uh, you know, a starter starting caliber player uh, all season long, uh, you know, more of a, a rotational guy comes in in certain moments for certain uh, lineups, but has definitely had some luck uh, in that he's been on some good teams, but you know, he's got a multi-year deal right with the Pelicans, signed him a 3-year deal from oh, what I remember. Oh, I'm trying to remember. I think it is. Um, I think it's multi-year. Yeah, I think so. So he's, you know, he's obviously investing a little bit uh, in the in the Pelicans. But to be a, you know, a guy who's 35 years old uh, and and to always have made the playoffs, that's a pretty incredible streak. So good for JJ. But there are plenty of guys who are much better than him who haven't made the playoffs. So maybe we maybe we start seeing some other guys get their shot. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, but all right, yeah, it was tough for me. Uh, I would say the Spurs were my number nine team. Uh, you know, you've already mentioned, you know, Lamarcus Aldridge and. Um, Oh God! Former former uh, Raptor um, whose name is escaping me all of a sudden, uh, and I'm I'm gonna seem like an idiot, but um, you know the guy they obviously did not keep, um, which is really killing me right now. Hold on, I'm going back. We're, we've got it. We've got it. While In you're three, going back, three, two, one. Demar Derozan. There you go. Man, I, it's killing me. I'm uh, I'm you know, sorry. I, I checked out real quick for a second because uh, you're good. Didi almost hit a go ahead three run shot. Yeah, and uh, so. 
I, I, I panicked a little bit and, and stopped listening for a second. So I'm, I'm back. Oh, camera lip, lip readers will love it. The camera just caught Aaron judge right before a commercial, just going, fuck. <laughs> there we go. I love that. <laughs> so <laughs> I love when that stuff happens. Um, all right, well, we're going to go ahead and, and go into these playoff teams. Now uh, we'll go the same way we did last week. Uh, kind of going eight through one. It's going to be seem a little bit jumbled at first because we're you know, we have different rankings. So we'll give our takes on the teams we have in order, uh, and then kind of summarize it at the end. Um, but Blake, who do you have uh, finishing at the eighth seed in the Western Conference this year? Yeah, just making it in ahead of the New Orleans Pelicans to me is another team with a very bright future ahead of them. Um, and I, I don't like talking about one of the guys on this team, but I've got the Dallas Mavericks as my eight seed. Uh, in the Western Conference, of course, uh, led by the great, 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 and I why am I slipping on his name right now? Luka Doncic. Luka Doncic, yep. man. We're, we're, we don't know NBA basketball players' names, apparently. No, what we the don't. What going on? No, we don't. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, Luka, um, you know, I don't like to talk about that other guy, Porzingis. He's he's good at times, too. The unicorn. Um, yeah. He, he's back in action. No They're longer a good. Nick. They're looking good. Um, you know, a fun European duo there. Um, didn't really lose a ton of guys this offseason. You know, Dirk retired, but his impact, you know, it was, you know, serviceable, I guess. You know, the Mavs weren't great last more year. Of a, more of a locker room guy right. than anything else yeah. at that point. And losing a backup point guard like Trey Burke, uh, who they got in along with the trade with Porzingis, uh, losing him is not too big. And especially when you can re-sign, um, you know, uh, Seth Curry, who got his big start in Dallas before going to Portland. You bring him back. I love Boban Marjanovic. Um, I can imagine, because Kristaps in New York, and I don't know what their plans are for him in Dallas, Kristaps in New York uh, did not like playing the five. He wanted a power center next to him. So I can just imagine the length on that front court where you've got Porzingis and Boban. Uh, that is just extreme length. Um, this is a team that I think has a lot of young potential in it. Rick Carlisle's one of the better coaches in the NBA. And um, as long as Doncic can improve on his rookie season and Porzingis um, can also improve, I mean, he, he you know consistently got better through his tenure with the Knicks. Uh, this is a team that I feel like has one of the more exciting young duos in the league, and I, I can't wait to watch them. Yeah, you, you know what? It's funny because they're my number eight seed too, hey, so I'll there go, we go. And just jump right in. What if we have the uh, same rankings? What if we have the same? Dude, I... It would blow my mind. <laughs> Absolutely be insane. Um, but, you know, I think that this is a team, you know, we talk about Chris Stops and, and Luca, and we actually we did a, an NBA duos draft right. Uh, right at the beginning of the offseason after everything, all the dust kind of settled from all those big moves. And uh, I slid the, the Mavs in there as my last team uh, with the number six pick in that draft. And I stand by it with Luca and Chris Stops. Uh, I'm really excited about what this team can do. And, you know, uh, Dwight, Dwight Powell, uh, at the center position, obviously, you know, 6'11", he's going to give you that length that you mentioned that, that they definitely need with Kristaps not wanting to play that kind of position. Uh, and it's interesting, if you look at the numbers from last season, Powell, even though, you know, he, he only started 22 games last year, uh, player efficiency rating 20.4, that led the team. Uh, in fact, higher than Luca. his Vorp uh, ranked second just behind him. Uh, so, you know, they certainly, you know, the, the statistics say that, that he's going to be making a bigger impact when give, given a bigger role. He's going to obviously get more minutes this year. Uh, you know, him being able to slide in uh, with Boban in, in that rotation uh, at center. Max Maxi Kleber, uh, I believe his name is pronounced, is, is also in that uh, rotation. Uh, you know, that's that's something that I think is actually going to be a big strength for them. So uh, I'm, I'm very comfortable putting the, the Mavericks at the number eight seed. Yeah, the, my only slight concern that I have with them is... Um is uh, field goal percentage. 
Porzingis, that was his one area. He took a lot of shots and a lot of bad shots um, as well. Um, Doncic, uh, you know, his, his shot selection as well, now that he's taking more control over the offense. Um, if they can't consistently knock down a high percentage of shots, I think that they could actually have a really bad season. Um, but it's exciting, so you definitely have to be interested in what they can do. All right, Blake, number seven now. Uh, I'm interested who you've got here. We talked a little bit about some teams that you had falling down. Is this one of them? This this is one of my teams. This is a team that was in the Western Conference Finals uh, this past year. I've got the Portland Trailblazers as my seven seed. Um, look, they, they brought in a lot of guys. They lost a lot of guys. Most notably, you know, you add Hassan Whiteside, Kent Bazemore, a good two-way guard. Um, you know, you signed Pau Gasol on... God, I don't know how much longer Pau Gasol is going to be around. Mario Hazonia, who they took away from New York. Uh, but then you lose. A, they lost just about all their forwards uh, and centers that they had last year. Myers Leonard is on the heat now. Ennis Kanter went to the Celtics. Uh, Al Farouk Aminu, Evan Turner, Mo Harkless, Jake Lehman, Seth Curry. A lot of losses on there. And um, listen, I, I like the duo of McCollum and, um, and, and Dame Lillard. Um, Hassan Whiteside is, is a good center, but he doesn't provide a much outside of the rim. You know, he's not one of those guys that's a, a, a high scoring, a high volume shooter at the center position. And there's a lot of teams that, uh, that do have that on their team. Um, so, um, I think just with how competitive, uh, how competitive the Western conference is, I didn't see this team, um, necessarily improving enough while I've got some of the other teams really getting better, uh, it didn't go out of the park, Matt, just to let you know. Maldonado, um, almost. Man. Almost. <laughs> uh, but, um, but yeah, I've got the, the Trailblazers at seven. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm right up there with you, almost. Uh, got the Blazers kind of close, but I'm actually coming in uh, with the defending uh, Western Conference champs, and that would be the Golden State Warriors yep. coming in at number seven. Uh, obviously, losing Kevin Durant. Uh, is a huge loss for them. And DeMarcus Cousins, Andre Iguodala, Sean Livingston, I mean, just name after name that have just become staples uh, for this team over the years. They are really entering in a, a new phase. And, of course, Clay Thompson, who's expected to miss most of the season with a torn ACL. Uh, we're going to be seeing a lot of uh, Seth Curry uh, and D'Angelo Russell this year. They, they bring in a guy like Willie Cauley-Stein, who's supposed to be replacing Cousins at the center position now. You know, just being healthy might be an upgrade over DeMarcus Cousins yeah. at this point. Um, but at the same time, you know, I, I've never really been super impressed with Collie Stein since he was drafted uh, top uh, with a top draft pick by the Kings. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm really interested to see what he does in Steve Kerr's, uh, you know, rotation. But at the same time, uh, I don't really have super high expectations uh, for that front court just in general. Uh, with, the, with the number of name changes that we've seen, they're going to be looking very different. So it's really just going to come down to how far can Steph carry this team. And mm -hmm. I, I firmly believe that a team that has Steph Curry on it will be a playoff team. Yeah. But I don't think that they're going to be r really all that high in the standings. Right. And so I, I think I might be right about this, but it seems like we have the Warriors and, and the Trailblazers flipped in these seedings. I don't, yep. if, if, so, yeah, I've got Golden State as my sixth seed, uh, and, and you have Portland as, as your sixth seed is what it sounds like. And mm -hmm. so um, I agree with you. Listen, uh, you know, they're going to have to wait some time to get Clay Thompson back. Now he is a superhuman. And so his, uh, his recovery time, I'm not sure what it's going to be like. It seems like he's going to be back around that March, April timeframe, but who knows if he can get back on the court sooner. Interested to see D'Angelo Russell in this offense. Um, what he can, uh, learn from a guy like Steve Kerr, what he can learn from a guy like Steph Curry. I think that this, you know, this is a weird situation because you've got, um, you know, Steph almost in this mentor role for D'Angelo who can um, 
really take a lot and learn from having these guys. He's never been in a situation where he's had a, a star player like Steph and a uh, and a great coach like Steve Kerr both at the same time. So we could see a, a ton of improvement on what was already you know great progression uh, in his in his season with Brooklyn last year. Um, but yeah, uh, you know it's it's tough when you don't have uh, that deep of a roster. We saw that they had problems with that, even just making it through the Western Conference, and certainly when they lost in the finals, uh, their depth just wasn't there. And and they've added some guys along the way, but um, you know they lost a lot of guys there too. So so filling out that roster, seeing how deep it is, I just think that um, I think that they're going to be around that bottom half. I've got them at the sixth seed, and and the only thing I will say is I feel like the only thing that could bump them up a little bit higher is I feel like we might be. Uh, getting a Steph Curry MVP type season, but we'll have to wait and see. Oh yeah, man! With the number of shots that he's going to be putting yeah. up, you know, not having to pass the ball as this much could, this as could we've be, seen him do, this could be filthy. It's this could be downright a, scary yep. for sure. Now I have the Warriors at seven, and as we as you mentioned, Blazers up at six, and and you kind of hit the nail on the head there. Uh, you know, obviously their their big off season addition is Hassan Whiteside. Uh, who you know isn't going to replace all the production that was lost in the number of players that you know departed for other organizations. Evan Turner, Maurice Harkless, Seth Curry, Enos Cantor, uh, all just uh, to name a few. Um, I, I just don't have a whole lot of expectations for Whiteside. Injuries have been a, a huge issue for him over the years, uh, and I don't necessarily expect him to be somebody who could stretch the floor in any capacity. Um, you know, they have plenty of shooters, so he's going to be more relied on to get rebounds. Um, but you know, it's going to come down to how healthy can he be, uh, and, and whether or not that that backcourt can really sustain the success that it's had over the past few years. So I have them slotting in at number six. Um, so we now have the top five. Uh, all similar teams, so I'm interested to see how this shakes out, Blake, who yeah. you got uh, coming in at fifth. Man, and I feel like, to me, my five through three was extremely difficult to um, to separate, and uh, at number five, I went with the Denver Nuggets. Um, they had an amazing season this past year, record-wise, um, and, and, you know, I, I love the addition of Jeremy Grant. I think that was, you know, of, of the uh, deals that happen in, in this offseason, a sneaky under-the-radar one is is just what Jeremy Grant can add to that front court. He had a great season with Oklahoma City last year. Um, lost a couple, uh, lost a couple guys. Nothing really. They drafted Bull Bull in the second round. Uh, you, you know, Isaiah Thomas goes to the Wizards. Tyler Lydon, uh, former Syracuse legend, uh, went to uh, the Kings. Um, listen, Denver's a Denver's a great team. I just think that the Western Conference, so many teams got so much better that. They can't sustain that number two, and and like you said, like I said, great season. They only added Jeremy Grant really and Bull Bull this season. You get Michael Porter Jr. Uh, finally healthy, so we'll see if uh, he could end up being one of the steals from that draft a couple of years back now, where he was, um, where he fell because of his injuries. But uh, Denver's just a, a team that I think is um, unfortunately having to fall, take a step back, just because other teams took uh, bigger steps forward. Yeah, uh, I agree with you, and I have them at the same hey, spot, wow. number uh, number five. We are killing it right now. Man. Yeah, we are. I don't know what's going on, but you know th- this Nuggets team. You know, obviously had a fantastic year last year. Uh, ended up finishing with the second best record in the Western Conference, uh, fifty four and twenty eight. Just three games back of the Warriors. So certainly, you know, finishing fifth this year is going to be a massive step back for them. Um, but you know, Jokic, obviously a, a fantastic player. They, Paul Millsap already dealing with some injuries. That makes me a little bit worried about yep. it. Uh, Jamal Murray gets that huge extension, so he now uh, you know can play uh, without that kind of pressure. So there, there's, uh, there's things to like about this team, but also you know, like you said, the, the whole Western Conference has gotten better, and at some point, you know, standing pat just kind of hurts you. 
if, if you're not making any kind of uh, big moves. Now, everybody is trying to catch the Nuggets, so don't get me wrong. You know, the pressure is on those other teams to prove that, you know, the, 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 or the teams that they put together are, in fact, going to be viable contenders for them. All the Nuggets have to do is just play exactly like they did last year. Uh, but that being said, they're playing stiffer competition than they did a year ago. I think the West was a little bit weaker than we might have thought. Um, you know, some of these teams were, were used to, obviously the win totals were very high, uh, as they always are compared to the East. You know, we, we get a 500 team finishing with the eight seed, uh, in the Eastern conference. And in years past, we've had some under 500 teams making the playoffs. That doesn't happen in the West for sure. Uh, but at the same time, you know, as far as teams that were really capable of, of winning the finals, you know, we, we kind of looked at, uh, the Warriors and the Nuggets and the Blazers, uh, the Rockets, maybe as those four teams that were really capable of doing it, maybe throw the Jazz in there. Uh, as the five teams, but uh, I think that there's definitely a few more, both in the East and the West this year, uh, than there were in years past uh, with the kind of disbursement of stars across the league, and and that hurts the Nuggets in a lot of ways. Yep, we see eye to eye again, and uh, now we've got to get into these uh, top what four now to see how the much quartet, we have lined man. up. All you've right, got the quartet. Who do you got, number four? My number four team, and and like I said, separation between three and five was tough for me, but I went with the uh, I went with the Lakers. As my four seed, oh my God. we're we're killing it, aren't we? Jesus, we are. <laughs> wow. All right, so so I got the Lakers as my four seed. Um, look, uh, if if everything goes right, this could very well be the best team in the Western Conference. But I also think they're in a position where they're not really worried about regular season wins. I think they're more worried about just getting to the postseason and um, and being fully healthy when they get there. You know, Anthony Davis already has a quad strain; um, he should be fine, but. But even that, just you know, in preseason, we want to make sure Anthony Davis is healthy. They've already lost Demarcus Cousins. I love some of the additions you know they made alongside that. Danny Green, great signing, uh, bringing in Avery Bradley. You know, a bench guy that can uh, can um, provide some valuable defense, even though his offense I think is one of the worst in the league. Now you do lose some young guys out there, of course. You know, Lonzo, Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart, Mo Mo Wagner. Um, you know, you you. you they basically restructured their entire roster in one offseason. But um, Frank, Gogol, Frank Vogel uh, can be a good coach. Now it's going to be interesting to see how much LeBron wants to be coached at this point in the season. But, um, but yeah, the Lakers, the Lakers are just worried about making it to the postseason healthy. So I don't think they're going to be really uh, trying to win as many games as possible. I think we see a lot of games where, where Anthony Davis and, uh, and LeBron are resting to give opportunities to some of these younger guys to, to, to make strides in their careers. You know, Kyle Kuzma, you know, comes to mind most importantly, but, um, but yeah, they, they, this has to the potential to be, um, you know, I, I think this team and um, this team has, is one of the favorites to win the finals. I just don't think they really care much about regular season wins. No, absolutely not. And I think as long as they finish as a top four seed, they're really not going to be too broken up about it. Um, but to me, you know, I, I'm just worried about the depth that's on this team. I mean, obviously, they have a great starting five. You know, guys like Danny Green, LeBron, Anthony Davis, uh, you know, uh, Kyle Kuzma, once he's healthy, will fit in there. You know, I'm not necessarily convinced that Dwight Howard is a, is a starting caliber no. center at this point. And neither am I really consider, uh, you know, convinced that Rajon Rondo uh, is a starting caliber point guard. But given the cap space that they had, they worked with what they could. But, you know, you get an injury to Rondo, you get an injury to, to Dwight Howard, and you're rolling with Quinn Cook and JaVale McGee. Uh, at that point, you know, Danny Green uh, behind him is Contavious Caldwell-Pulp and, and Avery Bradley. Now, don't get me wrong, I really like Avery Bradley. Um, but 
as a defensive player, but as far as what he adds in the offensive part of the, the it's floor, awful. it's just going to be all of it's. It's going to be LeBron and AD, and, yeah. and that's what it's going to come down to: is how much can this duo dominate? Do they have the potential to be the best one-two punch in the NBA? Absolutely. Uh, but LeBron is getting up there in age, uh, and, and certainly they they have him. Uh, on a, a workload restriction type deal where he's going to be sitting every now and then. And at that point, those games are going to be relying on Anthony Davis to play. Uh, and I'm sure that they're going to have AD resting as well. Oh, yeah. uh, like you said, they, they are gonna, not going to be really caring about uh, regular season wins. They're gearing up for the playoffs. Um, and so that's going to see them slip in the standings. So I, I think four is a pretty reasonable ex- expectation for this team. Uh, I'm just worried about, you know, if they do, I, you know, even if LeBron and AD make it healthy through the season, they lose one or two other guys to injury, even if they're just rotation players. That really hurts them, uh, and they don't have a whole lot of uh, cap room to make trades. Uh, so you know they're kind of rolling with the squad that they have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that it's just like if you take a look at the roster, even these guys, you know, regular season awards are, are big for you know their careers. But LeBron, right now, all he's got to care about is, is championships. Anthony Davis, even at a point where you know he was supposed to be the guy that was you know going to take New Orleans and turn them into, um, you know, an NBA champion winning franchise. He's got to be focused on this stage of his career winning titles because if things don't go right here, then it's like, okay, why isn't Anthony Davis one of the more freakish talents uh, to ever come into the NBA? Why isn't he winning titles? So uh, they're in a stage where they only care about, uh, uh, about championships in my mind. Um, and so... Interesting enough, uh, we both had them as the four seed, and so that means that we have the top three seeds um, of the same the teams. Same. In in what order is going to be interesting? Because I told you before the show, I think my one seed is is weird. Um, my, <laughs> I have a really strong feeling that if we get this next team right, we have the same order. So I feel like um, this is where we're going <laughs> to differ, though. Just I, I think this is where we are going to. Um, so my number three seed okay. is the Utah Jazz. Okay. Okay. We do have different. We, yeah. We're different. All right. Yeah. So, right. so I have the Utah Jazz here as my three seed. Um, man, I, I love what they did this off season. There's so much going on, and and you know Utah being able to bring in Mike Conley uh, to go alongside um, Donovan Mitchell. That's a that's a great even just like I said with D'Angelo and Steph Curry. I know they don't play the same position, but a good mentor uh, for Donovan Mitchell to have Mike Conley, a very well respected point guard. Um, Boyan Bogdanovich. That's 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 going to turn out to be um, one of the more under underrated signings of this past offseason. I think this is a guy that could probably end up if he comes off the bench, win Sixth Man of the Year. Uh, you bring in a great other role guys, you know Emmanuel Mudiay, uh, bring him over from the Knicks. Jeff Green at Davis. Uh, you send Derek Favors over to the Pelicans, um, and you lose some of your backup point guards, Raul Neto, Ricky Rubio as well. Um, I listen. I they're just a very well coached team. Um, and, uh, I, I just, I, I love the starting lineup, Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell, Mike Conley. I think it's a lot of fun. Um, I, I think that they're just going to have a really good season. And this is one of the teams that I feel like where we talk about the Lakers that don't care about regular season wins. I feel like this is a team that really wants to, um, really wants to go out there. There's a lot of players that are trying to go out there and show that they've still got it. Um, you know, Donovan Mitchell didn't have a bad season, but it wasn't as great as his rookie year, in my opinion. So then proving that he's, you know, the guy that we saw in his rookie season, Mike Conley, after a few down years in Memphis where they weren't winning games, he's going to want to prove a lot. And so uh, I think the Jazz is going to be one of those teams that's always putting out full effort uh, throughout the majority of the regular season. So I feel like I, I feel like they shouldn't fall outside the top three or four seeds. And yeah, I've got them at three. All right. Well, 
like we said, this is where we differ. Um, so I'll get to the Jazz in a few minutes. My number three team is the Houston Rockets, uh, a team that I do feel very good about. And obviously putting them at number three is a testament to that. But, you know, I do think this is a team capable of being one of the best in the West. Uh, and simply because of Russell Westbrook and the upgrade that he is over Chris Paul, uh, at the point he's at on his career, the fact that they were able to unload that contract without having to give up Clint Capella or Eric Gordon is absolutely insane to me. Uh, and, and the team that the Rockets now have, uh, it, it just it screams fun, man. I mean, that front five of Russell Westbrook, James Harden, Eric Gordon, P.J. Tucker, and Clint Capella is just going to be uh, such a fun unit to watch. Obviously, health is going to be a, a big factor there, but they have guys in the rotation like Austin Rivers and P.J. Tucker and Tyson Chandler, uh, Nene, uh, who all have you know contributed in the past uh, in, in pretty... Uh, big roles. I mean, Austin Rivers was a huge pickup for them down the stretch last year and ended up playing a very crucial role for them uh, in the playoffs. Uh, I'm overall, uh, I'm very you know high on this team. Uh, I, I like the moves that they've made this offseason uh, and obviously getting Chris Paul out of there in a situation where he just couldn't uh, coexist with James Harden. The big question is, will James Harden be able to coexist with Russell Westbrook? I think this is going to become a question of, was it Chris Paul's fault or was it James Harden's fault? Uh, and, and this history that we've seen with Chris Paul and his inability to coexist with other stars uh, has proven to be an issue. So I'm going to side with that it was his fault uh, and, and give Russ and, and Harden the benefit of the doubt that they're going to be able to figure things out with Mike Dan and Tony. Yeah, man, and I'll talk about the uh, the Rockets in, in just a few seconds, like you said. So we finally got a different uh, conversation in here. And, uh, yes. <laughs> and so, so it's nice to not, you know, agree with each other on everything. Cause you know, uh, I don't think people watch, you know, first take to listen to Stephen A. Smith and Max <laughs> Kellerman, just agree with each other on everything. Agree on everything. <laughs> um, so I, my number two seed, I almost wanted to make them my number one. I was very close in doing it, but my two seed is the Los Angeles Clippers. Wow. Uh, wow. Yeah. So we know what that means. Why don't yes. you just going to give us a roundup of the top two, Blake? Yeah, I'll, that I'll, kind of... I'll give you my top two. Might then. as well. Right. Uh, my thing with the Clippers is I also think that they're going to be one of those teams that that just cares about getting healthy to the postseason. Kawhi Leonard, we saw uh, you know, how they managed his load um, when he was in Toronto, and he was one of those guys that was routinely sitting out of games um, just in the regular season just to make sure he was healthy by the postseason. Paul George uh, had some procedures done in the offseason. I'm not Sure, the updated timeline on him, um, but I think he's also going to be one of those guys that has an injury history. They're going to want to make sure that they're keeping his minutes low because they've got a roster here that should be the favorite to win the NBA title. Um, you know, top to bottom, they're going to be one of the better defensive teams in this modern era. They're probably going to be one of the one of the best defensive teams uh, since you know the 21st century. Um, so I'm excited to watch you know that lineup of you just go over um, Patrick Beverly. Uh, Kawhi, Paul George, Montrez Harrell. Um, you know they did lose some guys on their bench, so they they did have to uh, to sacrifice. Um, you know guys like Danilo Gallinari, Shea Gilgis Alexander, of course, who they had to give up. Um, you know their bright young guard sending over to the Thunder in the Paul George trade. There was a guy like Wilson Chandler, a vet that's been up there. He signs with the Nets. Um, but man, I, I love this Clippers team. I think they are they are uh, they should be the favorites to win the title. But I also think they're going to want to manage their minutes. And now to a team, and like you said, I'm just going to round up my top two. My number one seed is the Houston Rockets. And uh, unlike the Clippers and the Lakers, I think the Rockets all just care about the show. I mean, you've got two guys that, that you know, keep winning MVP awards, switching back and forth. I think you don't – I think these two um, – 
these two care more about regular season wins and awards than than most people in the league. And so, while I think they're also a very talented team and could pose a serious threat in the Western Conference, I think they're more interested in showing um, how much they can do on a court together in the regular season. And I feel like, you know, two maximum effort guys as well too. So, um, you know, I sure they'll they'll get their rest days in there. Um, and I think the NBA scheduling is kind of shifted where every team kind of takes a look at that in general. But um, Russ and James Harden, I think, has has some real intrigue behind it. I think the co, uh, yeah, I think they're going to be able to coexist. Um, and and man, it's it's going to be fun regular season to watch. I don't expect them, uh, you know, to necessarily win the NBA championship. They'll be in the mix in the Western Conference playoffs. But I think that this is one of the teams that just is is going to care so much about regular season wins and showing what they can do between now and April uh, that I just feel like I feel like they're just going to put out so much effort day in and day out. I really like the pick. Like I said, I do feel really high on the, mm-hmm. on the Rockets this year. They're a fun team. They're going to be a lot of fun to root for. I love Russell Westbrook. I love watching him play, and I'm really just interested to see uh, how he makes it work uh, with Harden. Right. Uh, you know, that's going to be you know something to watch for sure, and, and whether or not they can share the ball. You know, we were we were joking on Twitter a couple of weeks ago uh, when they yeah. were having NBA <laughs> Picture Day, um, where uh, I think I posted a picture of like how they were going to. Um, how were they going to share the ball? And you said, I found a way, and it was a picture of them both holding basketballs. Yep. I thought that was good. <laughs> um, but, you know, uh, for me, I, we're actually in agreement here on the number two spot, and that's the Clippers uh, falling in at number two, which means, I'm, you know, we've already talked about them. I feel like everyone's kind of beating the drum on the Clippers here. But my number one team is going to be the Utah Jazz, which it. did obviously did not get a huge star this offseason, the highest uh, profile player they acquired was Mike Conley, uh, who cer- certainly is still a great point guard, but not not necessarily in that uh, all pro, all NBA range uh, that a lot of these other stars were in. Um, so for me, it's more of just the, the sheer volume of, of players that they had. They were extremely active. In fact, probably the most active team in the NBA this offseason, bringing in Mike Conley, Bohan Bogdanovich, Ed Davis, Jeff Green, Emmanuel Moutier, William Howard, and Stanton Kidd. Uh, in addition to making three picks uh, in the draft, all of them were in the 50 range, so we certainly aren't expecting them uh, to be immediate impacts, although I love Justin Wright-Foreman. Um, you know, they, they, they do lose Derek Favors, uh, Ricky Rubio, Kyle Korver, and, and Raul Nuto, or Nito, excuse me. Um, certainly, you know, some important role players there, but none of the, the, the stars that are on this team, uh, I, I'm a fir- firm believer that the Jazz uh, are the deepest team in the NBA right now. Uh, and while everybody went star chasing, they just kept loading up on guys who mm-hmm. are going to play important roles and uh, you know allow the team to swallow a, a key injury or two. And I think that's going to be so important in that in the regular season, uh, they are going to finish with the most wins. Now, I don't know if that necessarily means they're going to be the favorite to win right. uh, the NBA Finals or anything like that, but I do think that they are certainly a threat. Uh, to finish with the most wins in the West. Yeah, man, I, I completely agree with you. I think um, I think the big difference between what we see with um, sorry, getting a little mumbled in my words. Uh, the biggest thing with our one seeds is we see both of our one seeds as teams that have something to prove. You know, I think that the Rockets have a ton to prove uh, with Chris Paul. Uh, or, sorry, with Russell Westbrook and James Harden. The Jazz have a lot to prove because they don't really have a star like Anthony Davis, LeBron, Paul George. Uh, Kawhi Leonard so that's why we give the edge because those two teams really have to prove a lot in the regular season whereas the Clippers and the Lakers they want to get to the postseason they want to get healthy they don't really have a ton to prove in the regular season yeah 
Yeah, I mean, the NBA is going to be a lot of fun this year. Don't get me wrong. We, we made a joke earlier that the – or the last episode that the off season's more fun uh, than the regular season is. Um, but at the same time, you know, we're really gearing up for a, a league where for the first time in, in however long we can remember, there's just no clear-cut picture of who's going to win the finals. Right. I mean, you know, we have a couple of teams at the top of each conference who we can reasonably say uh, will be representing their conference. But, you know, we, we don't have a Miami Heat super team. We don't have a uh, Golden State Warriors super team. I mean, the, the Spurs, uh, you know, for however many years were the, the team atop. I mean, we just kind of are, are kind of left guessing at this point, And it's awesome. I, I can't tell oh, you yeah. uh, how much I love that. I mean, you know, you look at uh, the NFL right now, and I think, you know, obviously the, the, the Patriots have been, uh, the Patriots and the uh, Chiefs were considered the two teams entering the, the year as, as teams favored to make it back uh, to the, uh, you know, a- AFC Championship game. And to, the, to their credit, we both picked them, I believe, to make the AFC Championship game. Correct me if I'm wrong, Blake, but I'm pretty sure that was your pick as well. Yeah. Um, so well, we did think that they were going to kind of be the, the two teams there, uh, but the NFC wide open. Uh, well, we both were, were very much split on the two on the teams that we thought were going to be making it. And then in baseball, uh, we entered the year uh, with the uh, the Dodgers as the clear cut team in the National League, and uh, we thought that the Red Sox and the Yankees would be battling it out. Well, maybe the Astros in there too. And certainly we have had kind of super teams, but like a team like the Twins came out of nowhere uh, and, and won 100 games, and the Dodgers got it, you know knocked out in the first round. Like those are things that just don't happen uh, in the NBA playoffs because of the way that the league has kind of shaped out uh, over the past, you know, 15 years. And we're finally getting to a point where this is going to be a huge year that determines where the NBA goes. And because I don't think this is necessarily something that can last forever. I think we're always going to have, um, you know, periods of teams where, uh, you know, they're kind of just dominating everybody else. And maybe they come out of nowhere and maybe we see it coming uh, with some of the teams that we're talking about here. But at the same time, you know, right now in 2019-2020 season, it's a transition year for the NBA. And that mm-hmm. uh, honestly makes it the most intriguing NBA season that we have had uh, in God knows how long. And I can't tell you how pumped I am for it. Even the foe, the fact that the Wizards and the Knicks, yeah. uh, neither <laughs> are, are involved uh, in any of these discussions. Yep, I, I completely agree with you. It's, it is one of those years. It's like, you know, the, the, the impact of this year, yeah, oof, I, I know. <laughs> I know. Um, <laughs> Pass ball allows yeah. uh, run to score. Houston now up three nothing. Not looking good. Yeah, I'm not happy. But um, <laughs> great time to be talking about the Knicks when I'm not happy. So uh, so yeah, we both don't expect our teams to be doing anything uh, at all this year. So to also that you know you can kind of take that as an aspect of you just get to watch the league and and kind of root for the yeah. entire NBA and just great storylines. And so um, very excited. And like we said, we're going to finish off our our preseason predictions with some awards. And and I think. Um, some playoff picture slash NBA champion picks uh, in the coming week or so. So uh, yep. we'll, we'll be doing that. And uh, yeah, great time to finish things off. Yeah, it'll be uh, next episode. And certainly uh, with how, you know, the baseball playoffs shaped out with both of our teams really involved, I think you can, you know, speak to this, Blake, and that it's really stressful to watch your team in the playoffs. And, oh, you know, you're, you're, not, you're not watching for the enjoyment of the game. You, you get nervous and you freak out when your team's down and, uh, it's really just a roller coaster uh, of a ride. Whereas when you're watching, you know, teams you're not rooting for and you just want a good game, you know, that's. Uh, no, I'm not going to say as fun. You know, when your team's doing well and winning championships, certainly mm-hmm. uh, that's a lot of fun to watch. 
but at the same time, you know, to be able to just enjoy the league for, for what it is, I think it's going to be a fun season for both of us. And as far as an analysis standpoint, nobody's going to be able to say that we're being biased toward any team because oh, we're yeah. both just going to be shitting on our respective franchises. Yep. You can just uh, understand that I'm probably going to be a little bit of a Mavericks hater as long as Porzingis. Sure, uh, sure. That's understandable. Yeah, just I, I'm still going to be salty <laughs> about that. And uh, and yeah, Yankees uh, now down 4 nothing. so... Four or nothing. Loved yeah, it. it's rough. Well, I mean, it. you're getting in the Astros bullpen, which honestly yeah, has hey. performed well above its expectations this this uh, postseason. So uh, you know that's susceptible. Uh, certainly, I'm not out of the question that the the highest scoring offense in the MLB could score four runs in three innings. But right. you know, we'll have to see. Yeah. All right. Well, that's gonna that's gonna do it for our show today. Uh, don't forget to uh, rate and subscribe. You can check us out on Apple Podcasts as well as Spotify and. Uh, uh, Google Play, uh, the Google Store, Google Music, whatever you know it is. I don't really remember yeah, exactly it, what the name of it is. I don't get my podcast on there. It's weirdly set up, yeah. It, it's got a lot of yeah. different names in there. Well, it's, it's on Google. It's on Spotify. It's on iTunes. You can check it out at any of those places. Uh, Blake, you want to you wanna talk a little bit about your show? How's, how's things been going over there? Yeah, I, I'm enjoying it so far. Uh, quick hits. We are two episodes in, but uh, by the morning this comes out, we'll have our third episode out there as well. That is going over my... Um, my NFL power rankings through six weeks. Uh, so, so make sure to listen to that. Um, you know, I forgot kind of like when we started our show it takes a little bit to get onto, uh, to Apple podcasts to, for them to approve it. Um, so mm-hmm. as of now for the first two days, you can go through Spotify, you can go through, uh, through Google play, but, uh, we'll eventually get iTunes up on there, hopefully by the time that this episode comes out. But, um, yeah, really fun stuff. Like I said, trying to keep things short and concise with my my NFL stuff. Yesterday's episode uh, took a little bit longer than I was planning on it to, uh, but um, very excited for that. Like I said, that's called Quick Hits. Um, ooh, another thing I'm really excited about. I've got uh, I'm working with this guy, um, the guy who does uh, Sims and Lefko or Lefko's uh, beats. Um, you know the the no intro way. music, Rod Simba and the Regulators. Uh, I just was up uh, talking with them, and um, he is going to. Uh, work on a, a piece for my show. So, uh, excited that's to hear sick. that that's going to be within the next oh, week. So that's going to be pretty fun. Hell yeah. Um, you got to send that my way. I know. Yeah. Oh yeah. For it. sure. For sure. So hopefully that's uh, <laughs> that's a good vibe. Uh, I told him kind of where I was going with it and he said that was perfect for his group. So, uh, that'll be fun. Nice. But yeah, that comes out Monday through Friday. Um, fun stuff coincides with a lot of work I do with stampede blue and, uh, yeah, you should check it out. Nice. Yeah, absolutely. I listened to the the first episode. wasn't able to catch today's show, but uh, it was good stuff. So you all should definitely subscribe there as well. Uh, I also have a, a quick announcement. Oh, yeah, uh, that's right. I actually made this uh, official, Hell put yeah. in my, my two weeks at my job yesterday. Uh, I'm going to be moving back up to the D.C. area to work at NBC Sports Washington full-time uh, as a digital content producer. Well, I'll be writing about all the major sports teams in the Baltimore, D.C. area. Uh, I'm really excited. It's a great group of people over there uh, that I've been working with since August uh, in a part-time role just on weekends. been commuting back and forth between Charlottesville uh, and Bethesda where their office is. Uh, but they've now given me the offer to come there uh, and spend a lot more of my time there. So you're going to get to see a lot more content coming from me yeah. uh, on a day-to-day basis uh, in the sports realm. So that my start date is, I believe, in two weeks. Um, so finishing up in Seaville uh, next Friday, and then either I have a week off and then I start, or I start that, that immediately that week. So either way, uh, you'll be able to check out my stuff over at NBC Sports 
uh, com slash Washington. For now, I'm still at Federal Baseball uh, with SB Nation, uh, where I'm covering the postseason. Obviously, the Nats going deep into things. Uh, I'll be having a piece coming out tomorrow, um, depending on if they win. If they lose, uh, I might hold off on this, this story and wait uh, until we actually have a ticket punch the World Series, knock on wood. Um, hmm. But... You know, uh, I think uh, over the next couple of days, you should be seeing some stuff from me. Uh, so keep an eye out for that. Uh, don't forget to follow me on Twitter as well at Matt Wyrick, uh, FBB. You can follow Blake at Blake Andrew Pace, uh, where he also writes about Syracuse uh, and the Colts for SB Nation. Troy Nunez is an absolute magician and Stampede Blue. Uh, you can check all of that out uh, over at SB Nation on his Twitter account. Some great stuff there. All right, Blake, any final words for the good people? Yeah, man, if you know the outcome of this Yankees game by now, uh, if if they somehow come back and win, send me champagne. If they lose, send me some flowers. Um, but, but either way, yeah, excited to come back on Friday and head things off into the weekend with some good betting and some baseball talk. Hell yeah. Well, I'm rolling into this tonight with uh, all the confidence in the world and Patty Ice. Oh, so yeah. we'll see uh, if he comes through. Um, but if not, uh, you know, maybe tomorrow. So, all right, everybody, thank you all so much for listening. Uh, we will catch you back on Friday for our betting segment uh, and some NBA predictions. So definitely tune in for that. Uh, for now, though, I'm Matt Wyrick signing off alongside Blake Pace. Thank you all again for listening and have a good one.